honor and presence, Lord. We thank you for your being here, Lord. And that's why we come, Lord God, to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. We pray that you cover the sanctuary, cover your people, one by one, and name by name, Lord. Remember the absent part of the body of Christ this morning. Remember our pastor and his family. Remember all the ministerial staff, oh God, and their families. Lord, remember, oh God, the saints of God in their prospective places and their families. God, we pray that you continue, Lord God, to, oh God, to watch us and to cleanse us, to sanctify us, to consecrate us. Oh God, to help us, oh God, to live holy before you in submission and surrender. Oh God, we serve you, Lord God, because we love you, because you first loved us. You suffered, you bled, you died, and we might have a right to the tree of life. God, we thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah for your spirit. Oh God, the victory, Lord God, belongs to the saints of God. Because you said now, beloved, now we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when you shall appear, that we shall be like you. Oh God, we are your children, Lord God. You said that my people, which will call on my name, would honor themselves and pray and seek my face. You would hear from heaven. You will forgive their sins, and you would heal the land. Lord God, we need your presence, Lord. We need your anointing. Lord, we need your essence. We need your spirit. Oh God, we need the power of the Holy Ghost to fall anew and afresh on this place. Oh God, to do a new thing in the midst of your people. Oh God, we pray that you will stir up every heart, stir up every mind. I stand very soul by your by the songs of Zion and by the word of God. Oh God, because your word, Lord God, is a lamp at our feet and it's a light at our pathway. We praise you for your word. We praise, hallelujah, hallelujah, for the word of God. We praise you. We bless your name, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Oh God, for this holy place, Lord. Oh God, we cast out the spirit of fear, the spirit of anxiety, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of worry. Oh God, we cast them out in the name of Jesus. Lord, we rebuke them in the name of Jesus. We plead the power of the prayer and the prayers of the face of God and the power of the presence of Jesus over every individual. God, that you would have your way in this place Oh God, we know that this is not an ordinary service. And we know that we don't serve an ordinary God. We serve an extraordinary God, hallelujah, an extraordinary God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask to think. Oh God, we come in faith this morning. And this is the victory that overcome the world. Even our faith in Jesus. We believe in Jesus. That gives us victory. Don't you know you're walking in victory this morning? Hold your hand if you feel like you got the victory. Hold your hand up.
don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. such an amazing man to such a hard place. 
Surely there was some hotel that God could send the prophet. There was, there was a soda fountain in the lobby with, with a candy shop so he could pick up his favorite candy bar. Surely there was a more luxurious place for the man of God to go to. Maybe a nice vacation spot with bellhops dressed in tuxedos. When I think of cutting and going to a place where there is cutting, it's not pleasant. It's like surgery. No one likes surgery. It's stressful. It's painful. And it costs something. I've come here today with a word from the Lord. For someone, and I feel this so strong, it's so heavy on my heart. Someone is being driven to a place of cutting and a place of separation. You may have thought that it was natural causes or just life, but I've come to let someone know that God has designed this place, this environment, these circumstances, this place of cutting and separation that will make you stronger than you ever thought possible. Even though the brook was convenient for the resource of water, because as, as we were, read in that first in that first scripture, the man of God said, no rain, but according to my word. That's the only positive thing that I could find or when I thought about this place. That's the only thing that I could think of that was positive was that there was water. Nowhere, nowhere else had water, but this, there, was, there was a river, there was a source. Growing up in, in West Virginia, there was... Um, so, you know, West Virginia is sort of called the mountain state. And for a reason, if you've ever been there, there's literally mountains everywhere. Very, very little of West Virginia is flat. But even, even the place where we live, we had what was called the mountainous area. So we would, you know, we would drive a couple hours and we would go to the mountains. Um, so in that terrain, you have these rivers or these, these rivers and... Um, it's good for trout fishing. It's good for, you know, for wading out in the water and fishing. But the terrain, if you've never seen it, this picture, <clears throat> this picture is certainly not on West Virginia, but it sort of depicts the environment. You see there's rocks. There's uneven ground. It's hard to walk on. The ground is, is it's littered with rocks. They're large rocks. You've got to climb over these rocks, you know, there could be snakes hiding anywhere. There could be water moccasins. All these things. Can you imagine trying to sleep on rocks? There are times when God drives us to difficult places. There are times when the nights are long and painful. Daybreak brings a new hope of a brighter day. Those difficult places in, in life are known as the places of cutting and separation. Not only do we find the prophet Elijah in a difficult place, but we find him being fed by none other than ravens. This is interesting because ravens are highly intelligent birds of prey who oftentimes will pluck out other species of birds from their nests to eat them. This is interesting. Ravens are commonly known to call wolves to the carcasses of other animals so that the wolves will 
in turn open up the animals so that the ravens can get to the food and feast on what's left. This is the bird that the Lord chooses to feed the servant of God with. Not only does the Lord choose this vile bird to feed the man of God, but we find that Elijah, that what Elijah is fed with is better, hear me, is better than what the rest of the, prophet, the Lord's prophets that Obadiah had hid in the cave. The Bible says that they, had, they were just given bread and water, but he was given meat, bread, and water. I want to let someone know in here this morning that don't despise what God is feeding you because you don't like the messenger, because you don't like the delivery method. God may be using a devil to deliver something you need. You may think that is a foolish statement. God used a donkey in the Old Testament to speak to Balaam because Balaam was too carnal to understand that there was more at work than what he could see. A lot of times there is more at work in our lives than what we can see. God will cast roadblocks in front of us to catch us. And sometimes we realize it's God. And other times we do not. The church, that, the church that we grew up in, we were very involved in missions around the world. And one of the things that, one of the things that our pastor would always do and would always say is when they would plan a missions trip, a lot of times God, maybe some, maybe all are different, but God doesn't give me a scroll every day and tell me this is, you know, this is kind of what, this is what's going to happen today. So a lot of times, you don't know if it's the will of God until you just, you just have to step out in faith. But one of the things that he would always do when they would plan a missions trip is they would go through the process. And if the process was littered with obstacles and roadblocks, he knew it was time to yield. It wasn't, it wasn't right. Many times it's the same way in our lives. Maybe a raven has come with a meal that God has that God has sent, but you won't receive it. I want to let somebody know in here today that God has not abandoned you. The situation has been designed to sharpen you and bring you to a place of consecration and anointing. I mentioned it on Facebook the other day, and I'm not a big social media guy, but I have never in my life seen a generation that is so hung up on worship, getting their praise on. And I'm I'm not that's don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that's bad. But I want you to hear me. There are some places in your life that music, that a dance is not going to take you. There's some places where you gotta crawl. You've got to get on your knees before God and you've got to cry out. It's those hard places. Those difficult places. Embrace your test. Face it head on. Seek the face of God. If you've ever went through anything of substance, you know what I'm talking about. You understand that sometimes all you can do is travail and call on Jesus to bring you through. The reality is that 
This whole story that we're talking about, this, this man of God, this great man of God who's, who's written in the, the, the Hall of Fame of Heaven, this was the launching pad for his ministry. This was the first recorded acts that we find in Scripture of Elijah's ministry. Think it not strange that God has driven you to a place of cutting and separation. This just may be the launching pad for your ministry, for a greater anointing. Elijah's ministry brought about a revival in Israel in which all the prophets of Baal were destroyed. And there was a shift from worshiping Baal to returning to the true power of God. This thing is not about, it's not all about you. It's about your kids. It's about, your gen it's about a generation that will come after you. This one man's life would change the trajectory of an entire nation. This was not a trial that Elijah went through, but simply served as a training ground for the great anointing that would be upon his life. I don't know who I'm talking to in here this morning. But in the midst of an uncomfortable location, God provided what Elijah needed for survival. The dilemma that you have found yourself in today is simply a training ground for God's anointing to rest upon your life. The greatest men and women in my life that I've known that's had any kind of anointing on their life, they've paid a price. They've suffered financially. They've been ostracized. Not just from the world, but within the movement. Loneliness and despair. Many of the great, many of these great men and women of God that we see that God uses them in the miraculous. You don't know the lonely nights. The self-worth that they struggle with. Oftentimes, they've got no place to go but Jesus. Without a cutting, without a separation, there can be no anointing. I mentioned it before, but surgery, no one wants to go through it, but sometimes it's necessary. Not only do I not want to do this, but I don't want to pay the price to have this done. The reality is, though, you want the results without the sacrifice, but that's not how it works. There can be no anointing without a place of cutting, a place of separation. First Kings, go to that next slide, Brother Amy. First Kings chapter 17. As Paul Harvey would say, this is the rest of the story. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her 
and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Verse 13. And Elijah said, Fear not, go and do thou do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sent rain upon the earth. Verse 15. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she she and her and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of oil or the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. And it came and it came to pass after that the son and the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and the sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took, and he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried and said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched forth, and he stretched himself upon the child three times, and cried unto the Lord, and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah, and Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God and that the, the word of the Lord is in, in thy mouth is true. How depressing. God again sends Elijah into a depressing situation. He's the prophet, the man of God, that God sends him to a place where there's no faith, there's no hope, no promise of tomorrow. Notice his response, though. His immediate response to her dilemma about an un, about an, is no doubt unwavering faith and determination that that what he says, God will back him up. Sometimes you will, you will be faced with a dilemma and you have no direction from God. What to say? And you just have to speak a word of faith over the situation. If you have been born again, the Bible says that you are ambassadors for Christ. Something you have to understand about ambassadors is ambassadors carry the weight. They carry the authority with the country or the kingdom that they represent. So it's important 
that as children of God, as born-again believers, that we understand the authority that we have to be able to speak. If you have been born again of the water and of the Spirit, you have anointing upon your life. Sometimes you will be put into situations that are designed to build your godly character. God is calling you to step out in faith and trust Him and believe in Him. Not only is he faced with the dilemma of this woman and her son staying fed for the remainder of time, but now her son has died. Not only was this her son, but this, but he was all that she had in the world. I can't even begin to think what is going through Elijah's mind. He, he proclaimed that there would be food, food for the remainder of the time, but her son has died. Can you imagine the pressure that he must have felt? Can you imagine... The place that he was put in. Elijah doesn't speak to the situation. Elijah prays to God. That God would restore life into her son. We aren't always going to have something to say for every situation that we are faced with. Many times I've seen myself in situations. People look to me. You're the preacher. You're the... You're the evangelist, whatever. You're the man of God. What do you have? I don't know. I don't know. The only thing we can do sometimes is call on the name of the Je on the name of Jesus. Amen. A number of years ago, um, I had I worked for a company, and I had worked there at this point when I when I put all this together. I worked for the company for about seven years, seven and a half years, something like that. But when I first started working for the company, I went in and I was, um, I worked in the service office. I worked for a, cat, a Caterpillar dealership, which is a heavy equipment dealership. And that's, that's what I do now. I just, I work for a different company, a little different area. So when I started there, I went in and I was, I was, it was kind of an entry level position. I worked in the service office. So I coordinated the, uh, field service, um, people would go, or the technicians would go out and work on the machines as they, as they broke, so to speak. So, I was in that position for approximately three and a half years, um, and it was, it was pretty much hell. My, my supervisors were awful, um, and there were several, there were several positions and openings within the company that I tried to that I tried to go down, and I had some influence in the company because my, my father had worked there. So um, I, I tried to go different avenues. I, you know, there was even some outside opportunities that I pursued, and it nothing, no doors would ever open. I never understood it. So we um, fast forward from that point on. Um, I move into a different role within the same company. And I'm now working uh, on the sales side. So I'm doing, I'm inside, I'm an inside salesperson. And I won't get into what my, my duties were because it's, it's kind of irrelevant to the story. But, so, I'm in that position for probably 10 months or so. And the general manager and my boss comes in and says, hey, we're getting ready to have a meeting in the conference room. You know, be there in 10 minutes, whatever. So we go in. And so we go into the office, 
and everybody's in there, and the two top managers in the building, the general manager and the service manager, proceed to tell us that they are, they've purchased a business and they are going to be leaving the company, and so that was that. So I had mixed emotions. Um, obviously, I was glad that they were leaving because they had no business managing people. On the other side, they were ambassadors for our division, for our area. And I knew that as long as they were leading the division, I knew, I knew that we were going to be profitable, and I knew that we were going to get market share. So I was happy in one sense. So, so, we, so we leave the meeting, and it's just a, a huge weight over the whole building. No one knows what's going to happen. The economy at that time was awful, and the company was not doing very well as a whole. And, you know, there, just, there was a lot of uncertainty. We didn't know what was going to happen. So that weekend, so that was, I think that was on a Friday, or it was a Thursday, I'm sorry. So, but that weekend, you know, we go to church, and I remember this, I was, I was praying about it, I was like, God, you know, I, I don't know, am I going to have a job, like what, I don't understand, and I just remember God speaking to me, and you know, God doesn't, I've never, you know, I've never heard the audible voice of God, I, some people have, I, I don't doubt that, I, I just... God doesn't speak to me that way. But, and I didn't hear the audible voice of God this time either. But God spoke to me as clear as I've ever heard him. And he just, all he said was, I'm in the middle of this situation. I'm like, what? Did you, you know, did you eat pizza last night, God? Like, what, 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 you know, is this a dream? What? But I knew God had spoken to me. So, the following week, I go back to work, and it was on a Monday or a Tuesday, I can't remember. Well, they sent out, the, the company sent out a company-wide email that was, it was warn notices. And if you, you know, if, if you don't know what warn notices is, it's, it's not a good thing. It's kind of like a pink slip before you get your pink slip. So, so in the meantime, uh, at that point, the two managers had had left, left the company, and now it's just pretty much the sales staff that's left. Then another week or so goes by, and the, the lead salesman decides that he's going to leave and go join the, the two managers that have left. And at this point, I'm about as lost and confused as anyone ever hoped to be. But I trusted in God. The music, if you want to get ready, I'm... I'm preparing to land the plane. So, so I'm confused. So, you know, the, the lead sales guy resigns. I'm confused. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen. So my, my new boss, he comes to me, and he asks me to step into the lead sales role. So I'm like, sure, why not? But I was, I was happy because that's ultimately where I wanted to end up. I wanted to be in that sales role. So he said, he said, well, you know, I want you to step into the sales role. He said, but there's a process 
you know, there's a lot of different variables. There's a warn notice out here, and you know, we we have to post the job internally. We've got to do interviews, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, okay. At this point, I'm like, I'm just kind of along for the ride. So. A little time goes, so in the meantime, the salesman, he would put in his notice. My, my new manager kind of puts me with him to kind of show me the ropes and kind of show me, you know, what I need to do and kind of the ins and outs of the job. So, um, all the while, you know, the warn notice is still kind of in the back of my mind, like, you know, what's going to happen. So a couple of days later, I get a phone call from my boss. He's like, hey, he's like, um, I met with the owner, all right? He's like, we're gonna waive the requirement for the for the interviews and all like that. He's like, the job, you know, the job is yours. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So immediately, it was confirmation of what God had told me. I knew, because I knew they're not moving me into this job just to lay me off in two weeks. Like, that makes no sense. So I knew that God had my back. So, a couple things to note. The job that I ended up in is where, I, is where I ultimately wanted to be at. So God knew that. So, if you fast forward, if you fast forward from the point where I was in the service office to me taking that sales role, my salary almost tripled from what it was to the previous from the previous job. Hear me today. There will be times in your life, saint of God, when you have no idea what is even happening in your life. There'll be times when you feel like your life is spiraling out of control and it's outside of anything that you personally have done. And if we could all stand, amen, that always gives people hope. The altar's open. If you will remain faithful to God, faithful to the house of God, Faithful in giving to the kingdom of God. Hear me. God will pour out His blessings upon you and give you advancement both in the natural and the spiritual. God has brought you this morning to this place, this hard place, this place called Cherith, this place of cutting and separation. I know it's painful and the cost is great. The place of cutting and separation is something that every born-again believer will have to face if they want the anointing of God in their life. I faced four years of hell, but when I came through it, God had given me advancement. He had given me increase. My spirit was stronger. My walk with God was stronger. 
My anointing was greater all because I was driven to a place of cutting and a place of separation. If that's you here this morning and you feel driven to Cherith, you feel like you've been driven to a place where you have no options, where only the Almighty God can reach down. And I'm reaching, I'm reaching for you this morning. God is reaching for you this morning. But He wants you to, He wants you to know this was a storm that was designed by the Master. God has put you in a place that your consecration and your dedication, that your prayer life will become stronger. That your anointing can become greater. First Peter, that last, that last slide, Brother Steve. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Amen. These altars are open. Why don't you find a place to pray this morning, whether it's at your seat or whether it's at these altars. We all go through things. It's not strange that you suffer as a believer, as a child of God. What's strange is when you don't suffer, when you don't go through, when you're not a threat to the enemy. But God is calling us to a deeper level this morning. God is calling us to a greater commitment of prayer, of consecration, of worship, of dedication. God, help us to submit ourselves. God, to be put back on the potter's wheel today. God, that you would make us again a new, a new creature. God, we thank you today. They're going to begin to sing. But just call on the name of the Lord. Reach for his presence this morning. He's here. He's come. He showed up. He's met us. He's met our worship. Oh, yes.
The Bible says if we cast our cares upon Him, He cares for us. His presence is here today. What an opportunity. You have an audience with the King. God has showed up to meet your need.
Give her grace. Give her anointing, oh God. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, we praise you. God, you're faithful. Oh God, we honor you today.
two or three. The scripture says that gathered together in his name, thereby also the this is them. We know that God's presence was here. If you didn't feel it, amen, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to but you, but I feel his presence. I still feel it. Amen. I still feel his anointing. Amen. Because God is a good God. We thank God for the man of God. But the Father bringing the word of God. Amen. And cutting. Amen. We thank God for, amen, that word. Amen. It spoke so many volumes, so many volumes in my heart. Amen. In ways to just trust God in everything that you go through. Amen. When people bring up, uh, situations, they bring up uh, discouragement, they bring up doubt, they bring up, amen, disappointment, they bring up things that tell you what you can't do. You, you ain't going to be this, you ain't going to do that. Well, who's to say what God can do with your life when you surrender to him? I believe it was James Cleveland wrote the song, says that little becomes much when you place it in the Father's hand. When you place whatever you're going through, don't, don't try to fight it on your own. Because God put you in that situation to show Himself strong. Yeah. You have to remember the scripture says also that when uh, they were out of food and they were looking around and said, Well, we ain't got nothing to eat, but here's a lad with two fish and a loaf of bread. Jesus said, Bring them, bring them to me. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about it, bring it to me. That's the same thing you do with your problems. Don't worry about your problem, you bring it to Jesus. That's what he said. Bring it to the Lord. Bring it to the Master. And let him have it. That's all we have to do with our life. And I say that to encourage you this, this week. Whatever you're going through, take it to Jesus. Wherever you're going, go with Jesus. Take Jesus with you. Don't go by yourself. But have, have him as your friend. Have him as your confidant. Have him as your, have him as your, 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 your support. Amen. In Jesus' name. I, I don't want to say too much, but I get to talk and I'll stop you. I just thank God. I feel so good. I feel so good. I hope y'all feel what I feel this morning. I feel the spirit of God in this place. You know, pastor and pastor. Um, at this time, we're going to call for the uh, offering. Amen. If anyone have an uh, offering, uh, tithes, amen. This time, we're going to call it. The high from the tithes come for. And we're going to give and uh, we're gonna say a prayer. And we'll dismiss that.